think, I think if you didn't really look at it the right way, you could really um, think, Manny, wh what's he trying to do here? Because this one is the one where he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, you know, I try to think about uh, Jesus. Was he a peacemaker? Because he stirred up a lot of trouble wherever he went. So I can't, right? I mean, he, he had people, he had a lot of people mad at him, especially towards the end, right? I mean, towards, I mean, his ministry, he had about one really good year of ministry, and then everything kind of went downhill from there for him. I mean, he lost most of his disciples in one set, one sermon, lost them, just like, you know, you talk about shrinking the church quick. I mean, he had a bunch of people that left and said, we're not coming back. And uh, his own 12 disciples, he even asked them if they wanted to leave. Um, so, I mean, when Jesus, in his ministry, he, he, he stirred things up. He got in front of Pharisees. You think about some of the things he said to some of the religious leaders of his day. I mean, he didn't mince words with them. He called them out. How is that being, you know, the idea that we develop in the church, like, well, it needs to just, you know, we're, well, we're pe blessed are the peacemakers. We're just these very peaceful you know, most of us, we see Jesus holding the sheep, little lamb, you know, and cuddling the little lamb, and he would never stir up any trouble. He would never say anything that offended anyone. I know, I, you must not read the Bible, because there, it's all through the New Testament how he stirred up all kinds of people. How that, when he challenged people about where they were at, they did not like it. Um, he, he definitely afflicted the comfortable and comforted the afflicted in his ministry. But yet he says in this beatitude in chapter 5, if you're studying along with me in your Bible, verse uh, 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, some things I want you just to notice here, okay? It, one is, is that, that it says they shall be called the sons of God. Not they are the sons of God. Okay? There is a difference. They're going to be called by other people the sons of God because they're carrying the characteristic of the Son of God. We're children of God because of believing in Jesus Christ, not because we're peacemakers. Okay? We're children of God because we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. But there are a lot of Christians that are not called sons of God because they don't carry the, they're not doing what the Son of God did. You know, we talk about that big move of the, uh, that happened when the guy developed the, the bracelets that said WWJD. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, sometimes Jesus would comfort people that needed comforted those who were mourning, those who were suffering, those who were hurting, he, he definitely, he was a peacemaker in that way. But yet also, there were times that he aggravated people. But I want you to think about this for a minute with me, that he actually was, what his intent was, was trying to get them to a place of peace. Okay? So his outcome was to be a peacemaker because he's trying to get people into the right place. He's trying to get them, you know, when he was dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, it wasn't like he was saying, look, you guys are a mess, you're all going to hell, and I don't care about you. What he was saying is, 
you guys are vipers. The reason he said it, you're a bunch of snakes, is because he's trying to get them to confront the truth in their own heart and realize that what they're doing is deception. And they need to knock it off and repent. The bottom line of his message was to repent, to turn to God, to turn away from the wickedness. It was the message of John the Baptist, who was the precursor to Christ. It was the message of Jesus Christ, to repent. What does it mean to repent? Repent means that I change the direction of my life, the change the direction I'm going. To repent means not, you know, because we build these ideas up in our mind that, like, well, repentance is like I come down the altar, you know, like I've seen it at Billy Graham crusade, and I walk down the aisle, and I go up front, and I weep, and I cry, and I kneel, and I pray, and, and get some literature, and, you know, and then now I've really repented. Well, that's not repentance. Because if you get up and you go back doing the same thing you did before, then you didn't repent of it. Right? Because repentance is, I change the direction I'm going. I change. My intent is to change the lifestyle that I'm, li that I'm living. That's what I'm intending to do. That can happen whether you're driving in a car, watching it on TV, walking down the aisle, or just staying in your seat. You make a choice in your life that I'm turning away from wickedness, the wickedness that I've lived, and I'm turning to Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is. So remove all the religious ideas that we get in our head, you know, of what that has to look like. What that, what that has to look like. We had a girl uh, one time that had come to um, one of our services, young teenage girl, and, and her dad had grown up in the uh, Pentecostal Church of God. And uh, so his idea of what the baptism in the Holy Spirit should look like was different than what his daughter's idea of what that would look like. So she came up and she said, would you pray for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I want to speak in other tongues. We said, absolutely. And so we prayed with her. Sharon and I prayed with her. We led her through the scriptures because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. We led her through the scriptures. We said, okay, now we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Okay? She says, absolutely. And as soon as, we, as soon as we laid hands on her, she started speaking in tongues. Well, she wasn't gyrating, falling on the floor, shaking. She just started speaking in tongues. I mean, that's what she asked for. So she's speaking in tongues, and... and we were talking to her dad after the service. We said, man, isn't that exciting? Your daughter got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. He says, well, I didn't see anything. See, that's religion. Religion says you have to look a certain way. You have to act, you know, you have to be a certain way to be able to be, to, to receive the things of God. That's not true. That is not true. When we come to Christ, we come to him knowing that we need to turn away from where we've been going and turn to him. Will we stumble and fall? Absolutely we'll stumble. Everybody does. But our determination is to follow him. Jesus said, Luke 9, 23, if we are not willing to take up our cross daily and follow after him, to deny ourselves, he said that we can't follow him. So it's not so much that I'm walking in the perfection in my life, but I've made a choice in my life to follow after him. I've turned away. It took me a long time to, to break from alcoholism in my life. It took me a long time. 
I mean, I would love to tell you that like just one day, I was never one of those people that like, okay, I just put the bottle down and said, I'm never touching it again. Oh man, I put the bottle down, said I'm never touching it and touched it again. Well, I didn't touch it. I looked at it. Then after I looked at it, I touched it. And after I touched it, I drank it, right? And then after I drank it, I got drunk. And after I got drunk, I felt bad. And after I felt bad, I repented and said, I'll never do that again. Did I ever do it again? Yep, I did it again. But here's what happened. As I continue to turn towards Christ, Christ is helping me to overcome this flesh. I'd love to tell you I had this, I had, I love those testimonies. You know, I, I was in a meeting one time with this, this guy, his name was Mendez. Sharon and I went to hear him when we were on the mission field. And uh, man, he's, he's in Teen Challenge. And he's just, he's awesome. And he, so he tells his testimony. He was bound up on drugs, bound up on alcohol. I mean, he's like, he was a total messed up dude, man. Just totally bound up by drugs and alcohol and heroin. and I mean, really, you know, crazy stuff that he talked about. And he said, and I got in a meeting with a bunch of Teen Challenge kids, and they all got around me, and they laid hands on me, and God delivered me from all of the alcohol and all of the drugs. He says, I've never touched it again in my life. And I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's in his 40s now. He was in his 40s at that time. He says, I haven't touched it since then. I was totally set free. I'll have no desire for it. You know, I got kind of ticked off. I did. I got ticked off. I'm sitting there listening to this guy, and I'm thinking, well, Lord, why didn't you do that with me? Right? Why wasn't my victory that? I mean, come on, Lord. You did it for him. You know, I heard the song. If you did it for him, you could do it for me. Come on, let's do it. Why didn't you do that for me? And I heard God say, because I don't like you. No, no, I didn't hear him say that. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. No, I heard, I heard the Lord say, because that wasn't, my, that, that wasn't how it's going to work through you. He needed me to do that that way in his life for him to get where he needed to go. And you needed to follow the path that I led you on. Stop comparing yourself with other people and their victory and their deliverance and their miracle. Okay? So, anyways, as we talk about this, this idea about Jesus, what he's presenting to us is that this idea of turning away. Why does he say blessed are the peacemakers when he's stirring up trouble everywhere he goes? Because he's trying to create a pathway for people to get out of the lifestyle that they're living and to move into the lifestyle that he, can, he knows will bring them where they need to be. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, I was thinking about um, the word peace uh, in the Old Testament is the the Hebrew word shalom. And it originates back whenever God showed up to Gideon. And I mean, you think about, would that be the place you would reveal, you know, because they say that, well, that's God's one of God's covenant names. You know, Jehovah means I am, and shalom means peace. And so he shows up, here's Gideon, hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat because of the Midianites. So he's He's, not, he's hiding, he's fearful. God shows up in the room and says, Hail thou, mighty man of God. And I'm sure Gideon's like looking around the room. Is there somebody else in here? Who's he talking to? He's surely not talking to me. And he said, in the process of revealing himself to Gideon, 
He says, I am Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. I am peace. I want you to think about it. Put, put this in context now. Everything going on in Gideon's life is wrong. It's bad. It's destructive. He's hiding. He's fearful. And then God shows up and says, I'm going to use you to deliver your people from the Midianites. You say, well, oh, man, it must have got peaceful really quick. It did not. Gideon was, look, it went from bad to worse for Gideon. Because what God was telling him was, is I'm going to use you to lead my people. And everything God does with Gideon is just a total challenge to Gideon. He says, all right, I'm going to live. Gideon says, well, look, I, I appreciate that I can see you. You're in the room. I appreciate that you're revealing yourself to me. I feel your presence, but I'm going to need a little bit more. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do these things. I want you to make a, I'm going to put a piece of uh, sheep skin out on the ground, some wool, and uh, I want you to make it wet, and I want you to make everything else dry when I get up in the morning. God says, okay, deal. So he does it. He says, well, wait a minute. I want you tomorrow to do the exact opposite, right? God says, all right. So they do that. Every step that Gideon takes in his life, God is challenging him in his faith. He says, all right, now you're going to do what I told you to do, right? All right yes, sir, man, I'm in. I, you made the, the lamb's wool was wet. It was dry. You did all of that. He says, and look, I've amassed this big army, and we're going to go into battle, and we're ready to do it, and we know the Lord is with us. And God said, too many guys. Too many guys. I want you to cut the army down. Wait a minute. Wait. Now look, does that look peace? Does that in your mind look peaceful to you? Does that look like this is a great pathway of, oh, sublime peace? That Oh, I just feel the peace of God. What it is is that God is saying, look, I'm going to get you to peace, but I got to get you to turn away from a bunch of stuff to get you there. Gideon's thinking, man, I got this army thing down. We're good. And God says, nope, nope, here's what I want you to do. So I want you to go down to the water, and I want you to pick out all the guys that use their hands to cup the water to their mouth and all the other ones that are putting their face in the water. They got bad hygiene. Get rid of them. And how many is he left with? 300. Now, the Midianites got a way bigger army than 300. And Gideon does exactly what God says to do because what God wants Gideon to realize is, is that, look, it doesn't matter if it's just you or it's 300 or it's 3,000 or it's 50,000 or 100,000. The Lord is able to save by many or by few. Your part is obedience. My part is the victory. Amen. So Gideon takes that step. Because Jehovah Shalom is working in his life. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, because they are doing what the Son of God did, that Jesus Christ did, is, is that he provided avenues of peace for people. 
avenues to find peace, but he stirred up a lot of people in the process of doing that. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, as, we're, as we're going through this, I want you to look at, um, uh, I believe it's verse 12 we want to start with. Yeah. So, this is really great. So in verse, verse, uh, verse 14 it says, For he himself is our peace. He himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the division, that is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now, I want you to look up with me. To you and I, this won't have a lot of meaning unless we put it into context. This is really troubling to the Jewish people. Because what, what this passage is saying is God took Gentiles who were pagan, not covenant people with God, and he gave them the right through Christ to be equal with the Hebrews or the Jews. And this is, a, this is this, it's not troublesome to the Gentiles, but it definitely is trouble to the Jews. They do not because... Look, Gentiles are pigs. They're pagan. They're, they're not worth it. They're not, we don't do business with them. We don't have relationships with them. We don't intermarry with them. We have nothing to do with them. They're outcasts to us. If we have to deal with them, it's because we have to, but we try to not have to deal with it. We're a closed community. And yet here, he's talking about he has made peace for us. He took the two and he made peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached, there it is again, peace. He was declaring peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For though through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Here's, here's the point. I'm not going to go long on this this morning, but here's the point. The message of peace for the peacemakers who shall be called the sons of God is the same message that Jesus brought. You who are far off and you who are near are drawn together through the blood of Jesus Christ. An avenue, a door has been opened for you to receive Christ in your life. Everybody. No matter what race you are, no matter what gender you are, you are, the door is open to you that you can come to Jesus Christ. The same Jesus that the church believes in is the same Jesus that's available to the most wicked, most vile, whatever you would categorize as a wicked, vile person that's in this world. That same Jesus is made available to them. Made available to them. Now, I want you to think about this. Maybe this isn't true for everybody here, but I want you to think about the first time that you heard the message about salvation. 
that somebody actually talked to you about receiving Christ into your life. That you, you know, you may have been a churchgoer, thought you were close with God, and somebody said something to you like, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You know what I thought the first time I heard somebody say that to me? Whack job. Religious fanatic, right? Crazy person. Gone off the deep end. Because, see, what they were saying to me is, is that, look, I know you have a, you, you know about God. I know you believe stuff about God. But here's the thing. God just doesn't want a, you to believe in him. God wants to be involved with you. Jesus came not just so that you would have fire insurance and not go to hell. Jesus came so that you could destroy the works of hell in this life. Wow. And I, you know, I would think anybody that would hear that would go, oh, hallelujah, thank you for telling me that, man. I want Jesus in my life. But you want to clear a room with your family real quick? You know, you get tired of them being at your house? Just get up and start talking about how they all need a personal relationship with Christ. My uncle would sit at the table and he, he, my, his name was Al Muggy. Al was a... I mean, Al was a really interesting guy. He was German, uh, fought in World War II, a tough man, very tough, truck driver, drunk. I mean, he was rough. I mean, he, you just have to know him. He didn't, have, he didn't have a nice way to say things. You ever met anybody like that? And so he just didn't have a nice way to say things. I mean, when he said it, it felt like he was punching you in the nose. I mean, he was just that kind of person. And he married my aunt, who was this sweet, adorable person, and, and we all hated him. We hate, my grandmother hated him. We did not like him. We did not want him in the family, and, uh, but my aunt married him. Well, he gets, he gets born again, and he has this experience with Christ. And, I mean, I'm, look, I'm not telling you that, like, he became this born-again, really awesome, loving guy because he was not like that. But what he did is he changed he came under new ownership, okay? And so now he's being used for different purposes. And even that abrasion in his life, God still used that in his life. So we're sitting at a Thanksgiving table, and he's down at the end of the table, and my dad's sitting there, and, you know, we're just real good religious people. We go to church on I mean, look, we'd go in snowstorms. We'd go in rainstorms. We'd go in tornadoes. We'd go to church, man, on Sunday morning. There was... After you watched the morning Sunday cartoons, you went to church for one hour. And it better not go longer than that. And that sermon better not be longer than 20 minutes. And man, I mean, we would be there. And my uncle would sit at the end of the table and he'd talk about Jesus. And he'd talk about how Jesus saved him. And he'd talk about how that he just prayed for us. And I mean, it... I'm telling you, you talk, you read about in the Bible about gnashing teeth that people meant. I w we would gnash our teeth. We'd punch each other under the table. That guy's nuts, man. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. But I want to tell you something. He's a peacemaker. Because he knows that what we need is not religion. What we need is a relationship with Jesus Christ in our life. He knows the path. See, because, see, he knows that 
He knows that we're all a bunch of hypocrites, that we sit and do our little religious thing every week and we go to church and our lives are not changed. We are doing all of the same things. I'm my look, my, my family was a mess. Our family was a mess. My sister was pregnant at 16 years old, divorced by the time she was 18. My 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 her baby died in a, I mean in a crib death type situation. I mean it was just horrible. My my brother Ed was oh my gosh, he's a story all in and of himself. In and out of jail, selling drugs, just a total just a total mess. My life, of course, you know some of my story and I mean our whole family's a mess and we're living this great illusion at church like we're really somebody and my dad was on the Pony Express helping raise money in the church and he was a board member and Look, we're all, we were all lost. We were all lost. The only Jesus we knew was the one in the stained glass window. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And there's this guy, how dare him sit down there and tell me that I need, see, I'm getting aggravated. Maybe you've been there. Somebody's telling you about Jesus, but what are they trying to do? They're trying to be a peacemaker in your life. They're trying to get you to a place to confront the truth of your life and to realize that, look, you've been weighed in the balance and you've been found wanting. There's still, it's not good enough to have all the good works and do all the right things. That's not what Jesus came for. Jesus came to give us new life. He came to give us a divine relationship with God. The, you you want to know what real eternal life is? See, because we get sold this bill of goods that eternal life is you're going to heaven and you're not going to hell. And Jesus said, no. Listen, let's just talk about what the, the one who died for you and I, what he said eternal life looked like. In John's gospel, he said eternal life is that you can know the Father God. No, no, just like Old Testament know when they knew each other that it says that you would know the Father God and his son, Jesus Christ. That's what God's divine intent was it so you could become a, a part of a building group or a community, God's intent was is that you could know him. Not just on Sunday a.m., but you could know him 24-7, every part. He wants to infiltrate every part of your life. That's what I didn't like. My uncle says, you know, you need Jesus, and he will help you, and he'll save you and he'll deliver you and I don't want to give up nothing. I don't want to change my life. I, what you're saying means I got to give up some people. I like chasing women. I don't want to I don't want you to take that away from me. I like hanging out with my friends and getting plastered. Don't take that from me. Don't take that from me. And that wasn't what he was saying that he was going to take that from me. That's my interpretation of what he was saying. Man, I mean, he just kept going on and on. And he's, here's this German military guy sitting at the end, of, and he's bawling. You know what I mean? Crying. And I just pray. I just pray for all of you guys. And we're thinking, you're ruining Thanksgiving. Shut up. But he's a peacemaker. He's a peacemaker. One day, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. God showed up in my room. I mean, he showed up in my room. And I'm, 
and I was not right. I, I mean, I, you, some of you know my testimony, but I mean, I'm laying in bed, and I mean, I'm, I think I've got it together. I got my little mom's wedding Bible. It's in my office over here, and I'd open it up, that little tiny print, and I'd read two chapters every night before I'd go to sleep and, and, or pass out, whichever came first. And, you know, that I would, I would just, you know, I, would, I, I, I really thought I was doing everything right. I've given my 25 cents every week, which somehow I thought that was tithing, and uh, which was not 10% of my income. It was just whatever I wanted to give. And sometimes I gave it, and sometimes, I mean, I thought I was doing all the right stuff, and God showed up in the room. And I could see out my window so clearly in my bedroom window, the whole world was in flames, destruction. And it was such a weird look because I could see that there was darkness and there was light all at the same time. The flames were, even though they, they were bright, they weren't changing the darkness at all. And all I could see, my, everything was gone. And, and I knew there was such a fear came over me and I knew this is it, this is the end. And it was so real to me that it's as real as you there. I still see it today in my head. I can still see that. And I, I said, Lord, Lord, I believe in you. I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll surrender my life to you. And I reached over and I grabbed this cross that I had hanging up in the room and I put it around my neck and I, I heard the voice of heaven say, it's too late. It's too late. And I woke up. It's too late. I woke up and I mean, I'm telling you, it, it was, I was, I've had, I've had bad trips before, drug related. This was way worse than that. And I mean, I wake up and then I hear a voice in my room. I don't know any Bible verses except maybe in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. heard a voice say, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after me. I didn't even know where it was. And that night in my bedroom at 18 years old, I said, Jesus, I'm done messing around. I'm ready to follow you. I, I surrender my life to you. I will never, and I will do whatever you ask me to do, and I will go wherever you ask me to go. I am yours, Lord, from this day forward. And I, and, 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 and I just thank you, Lord God, that I, as I turn from sin and turn to you, I knew enough to do that. Why did that happen? Because there was a guy named Al Muggy who was a peacemaker who intervened into my screwed up life and would not let go. See, it wasn't long after that that my brother became a Christian, my brother Bob. I got to lead him to the Lord. And then after that, my sister became a Christian. And it wasn't long after that, my brother Ed. I mean, we never thought, Ed, we just thought, you know, you probably have a family member, you're thinking, lost cause. But you know what? Ed asked Jesus into his life. My dad 
still going to church, thinks we're all lost our minds. I mean, he's just like, what in the world? And he's at, he's at our church, and our pastor's up there doing his 20-minute sermon, and he decides this Sunday, my dad's on the board of this church, he decides in his sermon that at the end of it, he's just going to give an altar call to anybody that would like to ask Jesus Christ to be part of his life, their lives. My dad's in the pew in the, about four rows back where we always sat every Sunday, and uh, he said, in my head, Rick, he said, I heard, how dare that preacher, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. This is not a Baptist church. We don't do that here. That's not how we conduct our services, and that's not what we're here to do. And he said, but he said, here's what I found out, that the whole time that I'm talking in my head, my body is walking towards the altar. He said, all of a sudden, I looked around, and I'm standing up front, and look, it wasn't like there were 20 people with him. He's up there all by himself. You talk about a strange situation. My dad was a tough Marine. I mean, you didn't, he, he didn't do stuff like that. And he's standing up there at the altar, white as a sheet. I wasn't there that Sunday. I was away at college, and he's as white as a sheet. And the pastor comes down and prays with him, and he asks Christ into his life. Why'd that happen? Because there was a peacemaker named Al Muggy that sat across from us, and he irritated the snot out of us. You say, well, pastor, you know, we just, we don't want to stir. Look, I'm not talking about talking about politics. I'm not talking about, that's not what we're going into. You're not called to irritate people about politics. But you are called to be a peacemaker about eternity. Eternity. Who are you aggravating in your life right now? Because here's what I know as Christians. We're either being aggravated or we are aggravated. We're either speaking up or we're having to hold our tongue. And, and you say, well, well, yeah, so we should be going after people about their sin. That isn't what you do. That's not even anything close to what I just said. You don't go after people about their sin because their sin has nothing to do with you. But their eternity has everything to do with you. You're there to tell them about the great Jesus that you've experienced in your life. The one who came, shed his blood, and has torn down every wall of partition. And all we have to do is to receive what he has done for us. You're not here to tell them about how they're dressed is wrong. You're not here to tell them about any perversions in their life that you don't like, that you're after them about that, or way that they're living, or their life. That's not what we're, because see, that's not where we're supposed to be spending our time. Our time is to be spent talking about that you need Christ in your life. You need Jesus Christ in your life. And if you'll receive Christ into your life, he will start a pathway with you that will get you exactly where he wants you to be. We're good in the church at preaching problems. We're, we're not so good about preaching the person of Christ. See, when you preach about the problems, all you're doing is stirring up trouble. You're not helping people. I love this quote. I can't remember who exactly said it. I could look it up, but I'll, I'm going to finish up. But he said this, the devil creates strife that starts a fire in your life 
And then he comes and warms his hands by that fire. I'm just using you to start trouble. That's not what you're here to do. But as you preach Christ, as you declare the truth about Jesus Christ, as you present that person of Christ to people, the love that God has for them. Think about this great passage in, in the book of Romans 5, 8. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A good guy might die for a good guy. A good man or woman might die for their country because they believe in it. But who would die for the pervert that you were? Who would die for the person that you were? Who would do that? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. People will look at them and say, that is a child of God. And just kind of as a, a reprieve of it all as we finish up this morning, you and I both know, no matter how much your family and friends hate you, hate what you stand for, hate what you believe about Jesus Christ, when they're in trouble, guess who they call? It ain't Ghostbusters. They call you. Would you pray for me? Hey, would you remember me in prayer? Would you pray for my family? Would you? We've been, we're dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Would you pray for us? You know, our, we're in trouble. We have problems. Little Susie's on drugs. Would you pray for her? See, they know. They know because that's, that's where it's evidence that they shall be called the sons of God because they see in your life that you've got something they need. Amen? Stand up with me if you would. I'm going to ask everyone with me for just a moment. And uh, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready to meet God? That's my question. I just want you to, you know, you might me, you knew a lot of stuff about God, but a relationship with God. And uh, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, everything he did, he did for you. He didn't just do it for me, he did it for you. The plan, the simple plan of God is, is that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not all who cry long enough, not all who do a whole bunch of stuff, all who call. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment to bow your heads. And I'm just going to, I, I feel today that there might be one here today that needs to make a decision to turn your life over to Christ. You're like me in that room. You know a bunch of stuff, but you know you don't have a relationship with Christ. Maybe you did at one time, and now you've gotten away from it. Look, there's no, this is a judgment-free zone. It's time to come back. Amen? And in a little bit, we'll pray all together, but I'm going to ask everybody if you just bow your head with me and close your eyes. And I want to ask you today, if you Look, if you'd say today that my life is not right with God, it's just not right with God, I want you just to lift your hand up if you would. Just lift it up in the way. Look, thank you in the back over here to the left, two of you, three. Anyone else here today would say that's me? Three. Okay, join me, four, five. Anyone else here today would say that's me, Pastor? Look, i got to get my life straightened out. Six, thank you in the back. Seven. Anyone else today say that's me? 
Join these seven people today that have made this decision to call on the name of the Lord. How exciting is that? We want to make sure everybody has an opportunity. If you're, if you're here and you say, that's me, just go ahead and lift your hand. You say, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right. Thank you. Eight. Lift it up so that I can see it, and then I'll, you can put it down. Thank you. Nine. Amen. That's good. Thank you. Glory to God. Amen. God is moving all through the building. Ten. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else here today to say, that's me? I'm just ready. I'm, this is my time. This is it. This is it. I know it. See, that's the Holy Spirit working on you. That's not me working on you. Hallelujah. Join these 10 today. You'd say, that's me, Pastor Jealous. I'm just ready. This is it. I'm ready to make that decision. I'm ready to turn to Christ, to turn away from all this stuff. And look, whatever God leads me to, that's what he leads me to. I'm ready to do it today. Is there anyone else that would say, that's me? I'm going to join these 10 here today. Amen. 11, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. All right, everybody look up at me. Thank you. That's awesome. 11 people. Wow. Now listen, here's the thing. The power in this prayer is that you're praying it and you mean it. That's all, that's all I can tell you. It comes from your heart to God. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, but look, you could go through this whole prayer and it makes no difference to your life. The decision you're making today, as you pray this prayer that I'm following Jesus, I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and wherever he leads me, however he guides me, I'm surrendered to that. Look, that's where the power is from this day forward, from this day forward. God receives you with open arms. There is no doubt in my mind. No matter whether you were a Christian and you got away from it so far, out, look, to God, arms are open. Thank God, man, I can't tell you how many times I ran to the altar as a, as a, just wanting to make sure, okay? I don't do that anymore. I'm sure now, okay? You do get to a place. Aren't you glad your pastor's sure he's going to heaven? Amen. <laughs> But I, but I get it. I get the struggle, okay? I get the struggle. That's just your flesh. That's just your belief system that has not been right. But God has a way of working that out as you stay involved in a local church, amen, and get involved with other believers. So we're going to pray this prayer together. I want everybody to pray it. I don't know everybody that's here uh, that, that, that raised their hand today. And uh, so th that's really awesome. And uh, I'll be, Sharon and I'll be out in the lobby right after the service. And if you'd like to come up and just shake our hand, introduce yourself, we'd love to meet you and uh, have that opportunity to be able to talk with you. But let's all bow our heads and let's pray together as believers with all these that made that, they're making that commit, these 11 here today. Say this out loud with me, Lord Jesus, I turn from sin and I turn to you. I believe in you, Lord Jesus. I believe in what you've done for me, and I receive that here today. Thank you for loving me, giving your life for me, and giving me eternal life, a relationship with you and with the Father. Amen. Give these 11 a good hand today. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful.
Now, one other thing, just as, and I'm going to ask Chuck to come. If you in your life, God's bringing people across your path, you're thinking about folks that you need to talk to. I'm not talking about going to the restaurant today and saying to the waitress, to the server, what do they call them now? Are they waitresses or servers or whatever, you know? I'm not saying that you just are looking at them and say, are you going to heaven or hell? You know, that's not what, look, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the doors of opportunity. You know, as you get to know people, eventually conversations will always head towards religion. That's where you should shine, friend. That's where you and I should shine because we have that relationship with Christ. So I just invite you to not back away from it. They're going to get upset if I say this to them. Well, make sure you're not talking about sin now, the things they're doing. Talk about Christ who paid for their sin. Okay? And as you present Christ, you might aggravate them. But guess what? You're a peacemaker. Because you see the long process of what that's going to produce in their life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Give Chuck a good hand as he comes. Amen. Amen. Good word, Pastor. We really appreciate it. I appreciate our pastor's willingness to open up himself, his life, what God has brought him through, the trials and the, the tests to help us as a congregation. Blessed are the peacemakers. Aren't you glad Jesus is the Prince of Peace? You serve in a kingdom of peace. That's awesome. He's the Prince of it. Um, and you're called Sons of God. Uh, we are going to open the altar up for prayer. If you're on Team C, you come on up right now with me. I got a couple words from the Lord about things that God wanted to heal uh, that I want to make mention of before we formally dismiss you to come for prayer or to go get your kids or to go talk to pastor. Um, and, and what the Lord said was you, you're, somebody's here dealing with a white blood cell count, and I think he said it's called uh, cytosis. So if you're here and you're dealing with fat, um, Morgan had to Google it for me. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I just knew the Lord said you're dealing with a white blood cell uh, disorder. It might be too many. It might be too few. The other one was somebody's here dealing with a, a, uh, a uh, colitis, dealing with a digestive issue. So if that's you, uh, come up for prayer. Let your prayer people know. Um, Let's see, we might need to borrow a couple people from Team D to help out unless we have more Team C coming. Um, make sure you let them know you're, you're coming for that. Um, also, the Lord said, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, um, come on up. We want to pray for you. We want to have you that experience. We want that empowerment, that ability to... Uh, in, in the authority and the power of, of our Lord Jesus. So come on up for prayer. If you have any need at all, if you have something that you need somebody to agree with you in prayer, that's what we're here for. So please come up. These people are, are well able to uh, touch heaven to change lives.